Thank you so much. Um, after that introduction, we can just pray and be done. Uh, and, and we'll all go eat some fried food together. Um, I told Pastor, I said, hey, the reason I do that is because I know myself and I have absolutely no self-control. Um, and so if I order something like that, I said, I'll, I can eat you and Shaler under the table together. So um, anyway, but it is an honor and it's a privilege to be able to be here with you today. I just want to say from our family, from Linnell and I and our kids, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for making us feel welcomed, uh, like we're part of the family. And uh, so many of you were at our home when we arrived in the U-Haul and helped us unload. And so uh, just thank you guys for making us feel welcomed and just your kindness and your love towards us and towards our kids has been overwhelming. And so I just want to say we appreciate that so much. And uh, we're going to dive right in this morning. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I watched a game show uh, called The Price is Right. And there was a guy by the name of Bob Barker who would always host that show. And I think uh, the guy who would call the contestants down's name was Rod Roddy. Um, and he would always welcome people and, and they would come up and they would line up and they would all bid on these items uh, for the, to be able to come up on the stage. And so I always wanted to be on that show because I said, I can do this. I, I know that I could get the price right. After watching it summer after summer after summer growing up, um, I remember I was like, I know that I could do that. And then later on, there was another show called, uh, that caught my interest called Deal or No Deal. And it's where these cases are all lined up and you pick a case and you decide um, if you want and you're trying to get rid of the lowest um, denominator, so to speak, at the lowest amount of money so that you can bid and outbid this banker and, and go home with over a million dollars. And it's that same thing inside of me. I'm always telling the, the people, I'm arguing with the people on the television, take the deal, take the deal, take the deal. Um, and so I wanted to play a version of that. So I asked Rick Campbell, he can go ahead and you can come up here, Rick. He's going to help, help me this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He, he's ready to play. All right. And so what we have here, and, and he can't peek. I'm going to have you stand right over here, Rick, okay? We have five bags of money, okay? And one of these bags has $40, one has $20, one has $10, one has $1, and one has a quarter. And so, Rick, what bag do you want to be your bag that you choose right off the bat here? Which, which one has the million? Yeah, just pick. Yeah, I did Number two? Okay. Number two? All right. So we're going to take bag number two and we're going to set it right over here. All right. So there's bag number two. All right. What bag do you want to choose first to get rid of? Number five. Number five. All right. So bag number five. Bag number five has $10 in it. All right. So that's not too bad. He's still on the board, folks. All right. All right. What bag do you want to eliminate now? Number three. All right, bag number three has one dollar. All right, so that's good, okay. All right, Rick, next bag, four or number one? Number four, okay. Number four has $40 in it. All right, so the highest, the highest money bag is off of the table. So here's the question, here's the million dollar question. Do you want to keep your bag 
that you picked originally, or do you want to trade for what's in bag number one? You're going to keep number two? Okay. So he's going to keep bag number two, and in bag number one, this is what he gave up, $20. So in bag number two, if you could pick that up, what's, what's in bag number two? It's a quarter. And a Bible. <laughs> hey, thank you, Rick. Hey, thank you. thank you. All right. Let's give Rick one more hand as he's leaving this morning. I, I told Rick when I asked him to do that, I said, hey, regardless, you're going to go home with a bag of money today. So it, it's a win-win. All, all of us know and all of us understand that every decision that you and I make, it costs us something. Every decision that you and I make every single day, it costs us something and it's not always money. Sometimes it costs you time. Sometimes it'll cost you a relationship. For some of you, you've made a decision and it costs you a broken heart. Everything in this life, the decisions that you and I make, eventually will cost us something. And did you know that following Jesus will eventually cost you something? I mean, salvation is free. We, we understand that. We know that from the cross. Salvation, there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation. Salvation is free, but eventually following Jesus will cost you something. And there's huge advantages to following Jesus. All of you have probably experienced that at some point in time. Some of you, are, you know now you're an incredible father, and it's because you're following Jesus. Some of you are incredible mom or, or parents or some of you are, are incredible kids or you're a great employer or a great employee and some of that reason is because you decided to follow Jesus. There, there's huge advantages to following Jesus. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you obey my teachings, you're like someone who built their house on a rock. And then he said, but someone who doesn't obey my teachings is like a foolish person who built their house on the sand. And when the storms of life come, and, and all of us have experienced the storms of life, he says, whether, where you, whether you've built your house on the rock or you've built your house on the sand, you're going to experience the storms of life. And he says, if you've built your house on the rock, then your house is going to stand. And some of you have experienced that. You've, you've experienced, some of you have experienced divorce. Some of you have experienced cancer. Some of you have experienced broken relationships. And if I asked you, how are you still standing? How are you still making it through this? You would say, well, it's not because of me. It's honestly because I've built my house on the rock. I've built my house on Christ. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground, it's sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so in Mark chapter 8, one day, Jesus, he realizes that some of his followers are actually starting to act like consumers. They're starting to act like consumers. They're acting like, what is in it for me, Jesus? I, I like following. Yes, I do. I like following you. But what's in it for me? And so Jesus takes this moment in Mark chapter 8, and you can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen but Jesus takes this moment to teach his followers, to teach his disciples and the crowd that is following him, what does it look like to following Jesus? Because there's huge advantages to following Jesus, but eventually it's going to cost you something. 
So in Mark chapter 8, and we'll, beginning, we'll begin reading at verse number 27, this is what it says. It says, Jesus and his disciples went into the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? Now, church, I don't suggest that you ask this today at lunch because you might not want to hear what people are saying about you, or they might not be saying anything at all, okay? But no one thought that was funny. All right, that's okay. But, and they they replied, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Peter always answers, he's never at a lack for words. Peter says, you are the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 16, he says it this way, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're exactly right, Peter, but don't tell anybody. Peter is saying, and some of you, you you might know this Messiah, that's a Jewish term. In the Greek, he, he was called Christ. Some of you have heard the word Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? Just for all of you who are wondering, all right? Don't laugh. How how are are we going to know if the preacher doesn't tell us, all right? Jesus Christ, that wasn't his last name. It actually means anointed one. And what Peter is saying is, hey, we've heard, we know who Moses talked about. We know who the prophets talked about, who David wrote about in the Psalms. Jesus, we believe that you're the anointed one. You're the one that we've been waiting for all of this time, Jesus. It's you. You're, You're the one. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're exactly right, but don't tell anybody. Keep it on the DL just for a little while longer. Don't share that with anybody else. And then he goes on. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Peter's like, hey, Jesus, time out. (laughs) Time out, Jesus. Come here. Come here. Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but we're popular. Do you see all of the crowds following us? Jesus, everybody likes us. Every, I'm famous. Well, I'm kind of famous. I mean, because you're famous and I'm more famous than John is, okay? But Jesus, I'm famous. Do you know how many likes I got on my selfie when we were walking on the water? Do, do you know how many, how many I got? Jesus, we're so popular. You're going to mess it up. You're talking about death and getting arrested and getting tried. Jesus, no one's going to want to follow you if you keep talking like this. Shh. Go back over there. Let's talk about prayer or something positive. Jesus, don't use death. Don't talk about dying anymore, Jesus. Come on. We're popular. We're famous. Jesus, following you has huge advantages. And so Jesus, it says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked him. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind, I mean, that's pretty strong. If someone calls you Satan, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus is saying this, Peter, you're not interested in what's gonna happen to me. Peter, let's be honest for a moment. You're not concerned about the things that God's concerned about. Peter, you're concerned about what's going to happen to you because of what might happen to me. Peter, you're, you're Peter, you're the fisherman, you're, you're my follower, you're one of the, the guys that follow Jesus. And Peter, you're starting to act like a consumer, not like a follower. 
You're starting to act like, what's in this for me, Jesus? Not, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How can I follow you better? How can I be more concerned about the things that God is concerned about? And so Jesus takes this as a learning moment, a teaching moment, excuse me. And he calls all of the disciples. He says, okay, Peter, I want you to sit right here in the middle. All right, you're going to be front on the first row. Let's get all the disciples together, all of the crowd. Everybody huddle up. Everybody come in. I've got to teach you something. I want you to understand something. I want you to see something. So he calls everybody in and says, everybody come in. And so everyone's gathered there. Peter's right there in front row. The disciples are all there. And this is what Jesus says. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be one of my disciples, whoever wants to be one of my followers must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, you know what this is like. <laughs> Pastor set this up perfect. I didn't even ask him to do that. You know what this is like, don't you? You go to small group, you go to a restaurant, someone comes and they say, hey, would you like dessert? And what do you do? Well, what do some of you do? <laughs> no, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to say no to me. I'm not going to have dessert. I'm going to pass. And Linnell was whispering in my ear. She's like, hey, if he would have taken me to that dumpy diner, I would have ordered the chicken fried steak and the gravy and all of that stuff. So, so she wants to go there now. But, but what do we do? We, we deny ourselves, right? And, and some of you are sitting there and you're like, yeah, I deny myself dessert, so I must be a Jesus follower. Well, it's a little deeper than that, all right? But he says, you, you say no, you choose to say no to you and yes to me. Because some of you have said yes to Jesus. You have to understand that there's going to be moments, there's going to be times, there's going to be points of tension, there's going to be crossroads for you where you have to say no to you because you've said yes to Jesus. There's going to be moments at school and at work and in your marriage and in your relationships where you're going to have to decide, I'm going to say no to me because I've decided to say yes to Jesus. Amen. And then he says, and you're going to have to take up your cross. Now, the cross has been glamorized in our eyes because it's in movies. It's on miniseries. It's a piece of jewelry that we wear around our neck. It's a piece of decoration that we hang up in our home. It's a painting, whatever it is. The cross has been glamorized in, in our eyes and in our hearts. We've never smelt it. We've never touched it. We've never watched someone die on a cross. But Jesus is standing there and the crowd and the audience, everyone who is standing there, they know what it's like for someone to die on a cross. They've seen the crosses that the Roman Empire has lined in their streets. They understood that if they didn't say Caesar is Lord, that they might be persecuted. They might be crucified. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to deny yourself, and some of you are going to have to take up your cross and follow me. And it's at this point, there's people in the audience, and they're like, hold on, Jesus. I think I'm out. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and leave now. This is where I exit. I, I think I'm going to pass. I mean, because, Jesus, it's fun following you. I mean, you fed the 5,000 people. I was there with the bread and the fish. That was incredible. You healed my mother-in-law. I mean, I was a little conflicted at first because she's my mother-in-law. But, 
but you healed her, and that was an amazing miracle. Jesus, you, you've opened up blinded eyes. The lame have walked. The deaf have heard. The dead have been raised. Jesus, I mean, it's incredibly, incredibly wonderful to follow you, but now you're talking about dying. Now you're talking about denying myself. Jesus, now you're talking about crosses. I don't know if I want to do that. And so Jesus knows the people's heart. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. He knows they're scared to death. I mean, there's some of you who might be in here and you're college students. And you're like, man, I wonder, I mean, is it really worth it to follow Jesus? Because you're in your sorority, you're in your fraternity, and you're like, I mean, it's nice to follow Jesus on Sunday mornings, but the rest of the week, it's, it's hard to to follow Jesus. Maybe I'll come back when I'm 60. I mean, how much trouble can I get when, when I'm in 60 years old? Or, or maybe you're coming back to church for the first time in a long time because, and it's not that you don't believe in Jesus. It's not that you don't, don't like Jesus. It's just, it costs too much to follow him. And, and so Jesus knows, knows our hearts, knows that we get scared when we start talking about denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. And he's a brilliant, brilliant communicator. Look what he, what he says next. He's like, before you freak out, before you leave, before everyone starts stepping away, listen, let me put this in perspective of what I'm asking you to do. Let me put this in the context of what I'm asking. And this is what Jesus says. For whoever wants to save their life, that's you. That's me. Do you want to save your life? Yeah, yeah, I want to save my life. That's why I exercise the way I do. That's why I take my vitamins. That's why we get things nipped and tucked, right? Because why? That's why we dye our hair certain colors. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to save our lives. Don't look at me like that. You guys do that too. (laughs) How many of you want to save your life? He says, for whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. I mean, if I, this is a brilliant, brilliant thought. I mean, if, if, if I made this up, I would have been like, and Michael Escamilla said, I mean, the Bible is so rich. It's so full of, of this. It, maybe some of you, do, you don't take the Bible seriously, but, but I'm like, how, who makes this kind of stuff up? This is incredible. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Well, Jesus, that's exactly right. It doesn't matter how many times I do push-ups. It doesn't matter how many miles I run. It doesn't matter how many times I eat a grilled chicken salad. It doesn't matter how much I try to hang on to my life. Eventually, I am going to lose my life. We're all going to lose our life. And, And this is what he says. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Jesus Jesus is trying to explain to us, you're you're going to lose your life, regardless of how much you try to save it, but I'm going to give you the opportunity, church, if you lose your life for my sake and for the gospel, you'll actually save it. You'll actually save your life. I'm giving you the opportunity, I'm giving you the chance to save your life, to live your life in such a way that you lose it with a meaning and with a purpose and with something incredible that you could never earn on your own. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says this, for what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? He says, okay, let's play an imaginary game together. Let's imagine you have the whole world. 
Let's imagine you get to drive whatever you want to drive. You get to be with whoever you want to be with. You get to live wherever you want to live. You get to travel wherever you want to travel. You have the most envied of lives. When people look at you, they're like, look how she dresses. Look where they travel. Look where he, he lives. Look at their, their summer home. Look at all of the stuff that they have. Look who he gets to be with. Look who he gets to spend time with. Look at how brilliant he is. You, so whatever the world is for you, okay, imagine. No, no boundaries, no limits. Whatever the world is for you. He says, imagine what would it profit you if you gained all of the world, you had the most envied of all the other lives. When people looked at you, they were, they were envious of you. He says, imagine you had the whole world. And then at the end of that life that you can't save Anyway, you forfeited, you gave up, you turned in, you lost your soul. And at the end of that life, you realized, man, I gave up my soul. He goes on to say it this way. Or what can or what would anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so he says, okay, imagine it with me. Let me turn the table just a little bit. Imagine you're on your deathbed. You're at the end of your life. You have a few weeks to live, a few days to live. What would you give in exchange for your soul, for a security in knowing what was going to happen after this life in the next life? What would you give in exchange for that? And there might be some of you that are here this morning and you're thinking, well, Pastor Michael, I, I'm new here and I don't know if I believe in the whole Jesus thing. I don't know if I believe in the Bible and I definitely don't believe in an afterlife. And that's okay. That's all right. There was a group of people that were standing there with Jesus that believed the same thing. They didn't believe that there was anything after death. They thought once you lived, you were buried in the ground, you were cremated, that was it, the end. You were created for God's pleasure, but after you breathe your last, it's over. They were called the Sadducees, they, this group of religious people who didn't believe that there was a life after death. That's why they were sad, you see. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That's a little Bible trivia humor. You can use that later, all right? But the Sadducees, they didn't believe that there was life after death. 96% of Americans believe that there is some type of afterlife after death. How can 96% of us be wrong? I don't know. But he's saying this, imagine you're at the end of your life. What would you give? All of you would say, I would give anything. No matter how much money I had, no matter how much wealth I had accumulated, no matter what the price was, I would give anything to know for sure that I would have life after death. And Jesus just simply says it this way. Do you realize what you discovered about yourself? You value your soul more than any possessions, more than some of the relationships maybe that you have, more than anything else, you value your soul. Because what would it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Nothing. Nothing. Because you're going to lose it anyway. All of your wealth, all of your possessions, all that you, all of us that we try to grab and hang on to that we call life here on this planet, all the things that we try to work for and have, you're going to eventually lose those things anyway. And he says, what would you give in exchange for that? Anything. You've learned a valuable lesson about yourself, that you value your soul more than your possessions. You value your soul more than some of your relationships. You value your soul more 
more than anything else on this planet. So Jesus, you're telling us then that when you're asking us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross, it's really not that great of a sacrifice because this life that I'm trying to hang on to anyway that I'm gonna lose, I can actually lose it and gain life with you. And Jesus says, you're right. You're right. So really taking up my cross and really denying myself, it's not that big of a sacrifice. In light of eternity, in light of my soul, it's not that big of a deal. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and that just simply means this, when someone asks you at work or at school, in your neighborhood, you go to church. You believe that stuff? <laughs> you, you read your Bible? You give money to the church? What? Well, I don't really go to church. I mean, my wife makes me come to church. He said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, then he goes on, the son of man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his father's glory with his holy angels. What, what, what is that? Jesus is just saying, one day you're gonna give an account. One day I'm gonna give an account. And your mom and dad, they're not gonna be there. Your husband, your wife, they're, they're not gonna be there to defend you. It's just gonna be you and God. And one day you'll give an account of what you did with Jesus. And, and so here, here's the bottom line of my sermon. If you don't get anything else, if you've been text messaging, if you've been updating your status, come back just for a second, all right? Just listen for a second here. Here it is. Salvation is free. It's not gonna cost you anything. Following Jesus will eventually cost you something. Salvation is free. There's nothing that you could do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you could do to get in good with God. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. You are saved by grace through faith. And this isn't of yourself. It's a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. You can't save yourself. You can't earn your way in with God. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. There's nothing that you could do to get in good with God. Salvation is free. It costs God something great, his son's life on a cross. But it will cost you nothing to receive that grace. But following Jesus, being a disciple and not a consumer, it will eventually cost you something. And some of you already know what that is. Some of you know what that is. Some, for some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's an email that you know that you've been waiting to send because you didn't know, you didn't want, you didn't know if this was the right time or if you wanted to do that because it's, it's good to follow Jesus. It's advantageous to follow Jesus, but, but you're gonna have to now, sometimes if, if you're following Jesus, you're gonna have to say no to you because you've said yes to Jesus. And it might cost you a promotion. It might cost you a friendship. It might cost you a relationship. It might cost you a habit that you've been practicing. And it's sometimes, church, it's going to feel like a death because it's some dream that you've had that you always thought you were going to do or you always thought you were going to be. And God's saying, but I want you to follow me. Are you willing to give up your dream? Are you willing to give up what you're holding on to, what you think is life here in this world? Are you willing to give that up and follow me? Are you willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and come with me. Some of you know our story, um, Linnell and I. We, we were in Chicagoland, we were in a suburb called Naperville, um, Naperville, Illinois. We were at a church there for eight years. And, and, and we've, we've experienced this to a certain extent just these past few months. 
because we were happy. We, we were happy at, at Calvary Church. We had been there for eight years. Our youngest, Lily, was born there in that community. Abigail and Malachi, they were both very young, very little. Malachi was still a baby when we were there. And, and we've grown up. We placed roots at Calvary Church. We placed roots there in that community. And, and some of you, Pastor Dan shared the story of, of him calling us. And the first time that he called us, and it, it wasn't because we didn't think that Bethesda wasn't a great place. We really didn't know about this church or about Pastor Dan, but we just said, no, we, we, we feel like we're supposed to be here in Calvary. We're, we're staying, but thank you. Thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for calling. And he was very gracious and very kind and very loving, just like he is. And, and he, guys, I mean, I know you already know this, but he loves you. <laughs> Pastor Dan loves you guys so much. He just brags and brags and brags and brags on you guys all day long, if you'll let him. And, uh, and he loves you, and he just, he, he said, well, all right, that's, we'll, we'll move a different direction. And then I won't share all of the story or all of the details, but God would have it that a few weeks later, six weeks to be exact, he called us again. And he said, I, I just want you to know, I, I, we've been praying and I can't stop. And I, I, I think that I just wanted to at least ask you one more time. And it was in that moment that Linnell and I really decided that God was doing something in our hearts and, and maybe we were supposed to listen <laughs> to the Lord. And so we did. And we came and we interviewed and we fell in love with the staff and Pastor Dan and, and the church. And we felt like this was the next step for us. But that cost us something. It, it cost us friendships and relationships that, that my daughter Abigail had and Linnell had and I had and our young kids had. It, it cost us leaving friends that we had cried with and had over our house for dinner and, and shared meals with and that I baptized and, and we prayed the prayer of faith with them and, and we've seen God do miracles and we've cried with them and, and we've experienced loss with them. We shared life together and we had to say we're leaving that. We had to say, God, we're, we're going to leave these relationships and this investment that we've made over these past eight years and we're going to go and follow you. We're, we're going to leave all of that. And it was hard. And sometimes I said, God, are you sure? <laughs> God, are, are you sure? I mean, I know that there's eight months of, of winter in Chicago, but I'm going to the other extreme now. <laughs> I mean, Lord, are, are you sure we're hearing right here? But there's a decision that Linnell and I made individually and as a couple a long time ago. We, we said, God, we'll follow you wherever. If that's in Chicago, then we'll go. God, if that's in Fort Worth, then we're willing to leave. God, if that's to the mission field, then I'm willing to leave and pack up tomorrow. Because God, what would it profit me to gain whatever I want and the comfort and the ease and, and be where it's easy to be at and do what I want to do? God, what would it profit me to gain the whole world and forfeit my soul. God, what would I give in exchange for my comfort and my ease and, and everything that's familiar and the people who love me at Calvary and, and the staff and I'm familiar there and I've established myself and now I've got to go and start all over again. God, what would it profit me? What would I give in exchange for that? God, my life's not my own. And most of you guys know the famous missionary, Jim Elliott. Do you remember what he said? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. To gain what he cannot lose. You're no fool 
If you give what you cannot keep, you can't keep your life, church. But if you give it away for Christ, you gain something far more valuable than you ever could imagine. Salvation's free, won't cost you anything. Following Jesus will eventually cost you something. And if the musicians wanna come, and we're, we're gonna close here, I, I just have one more thing, and then Pastor Dan's gonna come, and I'm gonna turn it back over to him. Do, do you know what happened to that crowd, the people who were in the crowd that day following Jesus that he gave that invitation to? Do you know what happened to them? Me either. I don't know. But you know what I think? I think if we could go back and if we could ask them, hey, was it worth it? Was it worth it to leave Jesus that day? Was it worth it to walk away from Christ that day? Was it worth it to go and, and live and do something else because you weren't willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him? Was it worth it? You know what I think they would tell us? No. I think they would tell us, I wish. I wish I could go back to that moment. I wish I could have that moment all over again. I wish I could go back to when Jesus invited me to follow him, to be a follower and not a consumer. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could go back to that moment and say yes to him and no to me. Church, you have the opportunity. You have the chance to say no to you and yes to Christ. Salvation's free. It's not gonna cost you anything. Following Jesus, it'll eventually cost you something. Will you just bow your heads with me just for a moment here? And you might be sitting here this morning and, and you're saying, Michael, you're exactly right. I have been acting more like a consumer than I have a follower. I, I, I've been acting like, what can I get in it? What's in it for me, Jesus, following you? And Michael, you standing up there talking, I've been reminded that, that it's gonna cost me something. It's gonna cost me to, to follow Christ. And if that's you this morning, I, I just want you just really quickly and then you can put your hand right back down. Will you just slip up your hand and just say, Pastor Michael, will you include me in that closing prayer? Thank you so much, thank you. Thanks, you can put your hand right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks. Thank you guys. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, you're amazing. You're amazing that you, you denied yourself. <laughs> you denied yourself. You're, you're the ultimate example of this. You denied yourself and you took up a cross and you followed your father's will for us. You were willing to give it all away for us. And so God, this morning, we once again, I myself, God, I acknowledge, Lord, teach me, teach me to deny myself every day, Monday through Friday, God, Saturday, Sunday, Lord, to deny myself and to take up my cross and to follow you. God, not to live this life just for me, but Lord, to live this life to glorify your name and to bring you honor, Lord, to, to forfeit everything else in light of eternity. God, you are worthy of our lives. 
You're worthy of following Jesus. And so we once again acknowledge God. And I pray for every person who raised their hand, who say, who said, I want, I want to follow Christ. I want to deny myself. I want to give up whatever it is that I'm holding on to that I think is more valuable. God, I, I want to give that up for you. I'm willing to pay the price, Jesus, for you. And God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom to know what to do and give us the courage, God, and the wisdom to follow through with it. God, I pray and speak your blessing over every student, Lord, over every mom, over every dad, Lord, over every single person, God, this morning, that you would bless them, you would encourage them, you would strengthen them, and that we would all follow you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, our soul, and our strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Dan.